Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. And we're live. We are rolling. <laughs> Hello, Mother. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, son. Thank you. Oh, well, it's, uh, today is, is definitely a special podcast. This is, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on here was during all these presentations and you know me talking about these trips that I go on, one of the things that is reoccurring is how much people are impressed with not only your involvement, but probably more importantly, how do you deal with having somebody, your son, go out and do some of these things that uh, I tend to keep doing. And so first and foremost, welcome to the podcast. Um, do you want to just uh, say a little something? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and I'm glad to do this with you. All right. Well, this is probably one of the most casual ones because you are my mom, and that <laughs> makes it pretty easy. So hopefully we'll have some fun uh, here today. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I'd want to start out sort of in the beginning and just get your impression right fresh without even thinking about it. So I come to you in 2012 and say, I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. I leave in a month. What are you thinking? Oh, my God, please, no, 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 no. <laughs> Although, when you told me that you originally intended to not even take a cell phone, that's when I put my foot down and said, you must at least take a cell phone. If you're going to go do this, because you were of an age to go and do it yourself. I'm well, not true. Yeah, I, was, I believe I was 33 yeah. I'm not when I did that. I'm not here to step on your dreams. I'm here to help you along, but... When you said, I, I'm not even taking a cell phone, I, that's when I said, uh, no, yes, you are. Yeah, let me, let me put my two cents in. You're taking a phone. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even if I have to buy you the phone, you are taking it. <laughs> and <laughs> well, you I, did. Yeah, I, that, was, that was right before sort of uh, I got into real smartphones. I remember mm -hmm. picking up some, some piece of junk at Walmart or mm -hmm. something with a, I guess you'd call it a burner phone. But it worked, and it, it did come in handy, I, I will say that. So it's, it's kind of interesting that it was sort of safety first, like what can I make him do? I need a little control. <laughs> um, I don't think it's even a case of that. I need, when you go on your adventures... I need an avenue of communication with you. That's well, that's all true. I need. Uh, one of the most difficult things for me that you did was your delivery delivery of the cat from South Africa to Tortola because you, oh. you were 35 days at sea. Now you were with two other people. True. But you were 35 days at sea with zero communication until you so, got to Tortola. Yeah, just, just to crawl back on that. That was back in, I believe, 2004, and that was one of my, I think at that point, that was my longest ocean crossing, and that was, we took a brand new catamaran, I think it was 43 feet, from Cape Town, South Africa, to Tortola, uh, Tortola in the British Virgin Islands, and that was, yeah, that was about 6,000 miles, and... I think 35 days, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and there was. There was zero. We didn't have a sat phone or anything back then. Nothing. There was no communication. And I'm not sure which was more frightening, the, the, the advent of the trip when, in fact, you were stuck in um, Johannesburg. 
Oh, no, I was stuck in Cape Town because it, it, there was a, oh. like a month-long delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that was kind of scary. But, um, yeah, you, we had no communication. So having an avenue of communication is really huge um, in order to help you get through those times when you just don't know what's happening to you. Right, right. You know? Well, and, I, you know, on that, on that Appalachian Trail, I think as opposed to some of the sailing trips, you know, I was on land and... If something did happen, I'd, I'd probably be able to get to help. You know, I'm not I'm not by myself in the middle of you know an ocean somewhere. So, so I can't imagine the anxiety of of me hiking the Appalachian Trail really compared uh, to when I said I wanted to go and sail around the world. Oh, there there was no comparison at all. And I can remember once you got back from your circumnavigation thinking to myself <laughs> and i thought the appalachian trail ah, yeah. was worrisome um <laughs> but then you know the more you study about the appalachian trail you realize that as you said to me you're rarely ever alone there are hikers coming in and out and off the trail you're going through towns you're able to you know take a rest stop do some laundry maybe spend the night in a hotel you know there's a lot that goes on it's completely different when you're out in the middle of the ocean did you did you think about any of the the murders that have been on the Appalachian Trail that sort of stuff? Yeah, but uh, somehow I I don't you know. You didn't worry about it. I I wasn't really concerned about that. Bears? What about bears? Yes, but you had been doing enough camping up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and you know the Boundary Waters and all that that I I knew you knew how to protect yourself by hanging your food at a distance and stuff like that. So so oh well, that's good. So what I'm getting from that is you you. You had faith in my abilities as a woodsman. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, sure. that's good. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Well, so that was 2012, mm -hmm. and then flash forward five years, and we're at the doorstep of me setting sail to do a nonstop round-the-world trip mm -hmm. uh, by myself. And I know in the beginning, when I first started mentioning that I wanted to do this, what, what, was, what was your sort of thought process on it? Because... There wasn't any communication. I remember we weren't really allowed to talk about it in front of you, that sort of stuff. <laughs> but what were you thinking as far as, you know, will he actually do this? Is this just one of his things that he says he's going to do sort of thing? No, I usually whatever you say you're going to do in this adventure vein, you actually do it. So I figured at some point in time it was going to come about. I hoped at some point that something would come up that would change your mind. Um, obviously it didn't, but so once I <laughs> it's knew like an adventure fad that I'm yeah. in, I guess, yeah. right? Like skinny jeans. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was hoping maybe some young lady would come along or, you know, but, um, you know, once you were bound to determine, then I felt it was my responsibility to make sure that you were as safe as you could be. And thanks to the, your last, the last minute advice from your cousin, Hanley Noel, the Garmin inReach came in. Yes, that 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 was that was definitely a godsend. I mean, it, beforehand, my plan was to just have that spot track device, so I'd you know hit the button and it would just show my position. But that was it, and it wasn't until he had done some research to find that you know the spot track doesn't cover the entire globe, and in mm -hmm. fact, down in the Southern Ocean, it doesn't cover much of it all. Right. So I would have been pretty much in blackout, mm -hmm. and you guys would have known. I mean, I had the sat phone. Mm -hmm. But I can't use that every single day. It's too expensive. Plus, you know, later on I would find that it would send me into the depths of depression. <laughs> right. You know, after I hung up and my world came crashing mm -hmm. back in. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
and I, I remember trying to pull you in to sort of receive my daily updates mm-hmm. and then get those out via social media mm-hmm. to people. And I think my thinking was that that was going to bring you in as more of a team member and less as a bystander. Right. And, and in that vein, I just sort of figured maybe that would uh, ease some of the anxiety that you were having. Yeah, well, it definitely, definitely did. And, uh, you know, I, and also the fact that you were extremely punctual in your calls, 8 o'clock Eastern Michigan Standard to, Time yeah. or Michigan Time, whether it was Daylight Saving or Eastern Standard, 8 o'clock every morning I could be assured that, you know, I could hear your special little text tone and it would come through and I could tell by what I was reading how you were feeling. Right. Well, and and just so that that's clear, the whole time I was circling the globe, it would come in at 8 a.m. here, which meant that I was, yes. as I changed time zones, I mean, there'd be sometimes it would be 2 in the morning and I'd have to sort of get up mm-hmm. and text. Mm-hmm. Uh, or else I, I typically would receive a text, if not from you, mm-hmm. from somebody else who was following mm-hmm. the trip that, that had my number. And they'd, they'd say, is everything all right? We haven't heard anything today. So I think some other people were actually jumping the gun. Uh, <laughs> I believe that. that they were because they would people would also start texting and emailing me if you were okay, that they hadn't gotten their update. It, this was, this was the, those Garmin um, emails or texts, yeah. the Garmin texts were the equivalent of some people's opening up the New York Times every morning or their their new local newspaper every morning with their cup of coffee and that's how they would spend their morning reading and you know locating because the the function of the text with the embedded coordinates was fantastic i mean you not only got verbal albeit through the alphabet verbal communication from you through a text but you also got to see exactly where you were Right, right. You know, and that that was really great. Um, well, and that that I mean, that must have been kind of a perk of the whole thing uh, for you to to sort of know that there were there were people so interested in in this voyage of you know your crazy son that went out mm-hmm. and did this. Well, there were, and and also the amount of people that were interested grew for the North, Northwest Passage voyage too. I mean, you're sailing into oblivion uh facebook site you know grew up to over oh yeah most of those people sort of hung on anyway Mm -hmm. they've they've you know because it's so easy you just remain a a member of that group but yes because i sent out an email blast to the hundred and some odd people that i would privately email every morning i and said do you want to stay on this list and there were only a couple that said no i'll follow you on facebook or no my wife is already following you or no you know your cousins or you know already following and I'll just follow through them or whatever. I think what I'm trying to like worm my way into having you say is, yeah, you know, it was really great that you went out and did that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you're not taking the bait. Not at all. (laughs) You know what? I can, I can sitting here in our living room looking at you right now. I'm, I can say, yeah, it's really great that you did that. It's yeah. also really great that you're sitting in our living room right now. But there were there were definitely some some pretty iffy times. Um, you know, I I often tell people that you know I I never really relayed the whole story mm-hmm. uh, while I was out there because I knew it was going directly to my mom. Right. And and I knew that. You know, I I knew that you were worried already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I think as soon as as soon as I found out that you had learned how to use some of the the weather apps mm-hmm. that show offshore weather all over the world, that's when I sort of started thinking to myself, oh, geez, okay, so she's really going to know what what I'm going through when I'm going through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent, you know, I mean, not that I I don't know how many gales you've been through out on the open ocean, but none. <laughs> I I know you have done quite a fair bit of sailing, and you do know what it's like when it gets a little bit rough out mm-hmm. there. So, I've been through a few squalls down in the, the Caribbean, but yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure just out here on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the trips to Beaver Island and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we did have one rocky race. That <laughs> oh, you were racing Beaver up there. I- we raced. Yeah, there was that. Uh, you'd leave Harbor Springs and race to uh, Beaver Island, and then you would uh, spend the night, and then you would race back. How many was it? Is that like twenty miles, fifteen miles? I thought it was like thirty-six, but I could be oh, wrong. Wow. So. We went over and it was dead calm and it took us, oh, so many hours because we were literally almost sailing backwards. It was flat, just like glass, like yeah. Michigan was all the way over there. And we finally pulled in. It was in the evening by the time we pulled in. And it was something like almost 10, 13 hours, something like that. Because we were just sitting still a lot of the time. But we woke up the morning to full on gale. And uh, I think it took us four hours to get back. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, we did some top velocity, you know, with the on the J30 that we were racing on. We were exhausted when we got back. Well, and that's a, that's a much faster boat than mine. Yes. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I guess my point in that is that, you know, you, you definitely can imagine some of the situations that I was going through. And, uh, and me knowing that, you know, I didn't want to expound on that and, and be like, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe, you know, how big the waves are out today and this is so scary and I don't know if I'm going to make it. I was never going to send you a text like that. Yeah. Um so I do sort of when I do my presentations, I'm I'm able to sort of tell the whole truth, which is is kind of nice. But is there is there one or maybe multiple ones particular times during that trip that uh that you were, you know, basically not sleeping through the night, freaking out? Well, I think that for about 271 days, I don't think I had a really good night's <laughs> oh, sleep. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. Um, when I was in the doldrums, just floating around. Yes, but I, you know, I, that can be just as mentally frightening <laughs> as, you know, rolling through a gale. But um, I think the times that were the hardest for me were the um, when you were running out of water. Yeah, but you didn't know about that until I, because I didn't, I, I, the pump broke in the Indian Ocean, mm-hmm. and I didn't let anybody know about that until I was well past the Falkland Islands. No, no, you, uh, you, we knew that the pump broke when you were around New Zealand. Oh, maybe that's when I yeah. let the cat out of the bag. I must yeah. have caught probably mm-hmm. 10, 15 gallons, and then I let, let mm-hmm. people know. And the, the next time was, you know, when your computer went down. That was by New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I remember that. And then, um, then, then after that, as you were running out of food, as you were approaching Cape Horn and running out of food. Right. Right. Yeah. Gosh, I did was, a bang up job mm-hmm. on that trip, didn't I? Yep. And, <laughs> <laughs> if it could go wrong, it did. Then, you, then you overloaded on the left. But yeah. the um, what was hard was knowing that you had made the comment that you are so tired of being so wet and so cold and so hungry and so exhausted. Well, that that is true. I mean, the, the whole trip across the Pacific was was pretty miserable, and it's it is it's a it's a scary sort of place. No matter how used to those conditions you become, which you definitely do, um, you still realize that you're in this very vulnerable position. And as much as you may not feel like it, you're 
I was, you know, weak. I was a, you know, I was, I was losing weight, losing muscle. Uh, I was cold and wet. And so, you know, but you just, I just sort of kept pressing on. I also got really lucky with the weather as well. Well, all you needed was to slip and fall overboard. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have to debate that, that whole clipping on thing just about every time I speak, but, uh, Oh, and, and I understand that. We don't have that. to get into that. <laughs> no, but I understand why you don't. Yeah, well, you're just about the only one. And it's odd enough that somebody who worries about me that much understands that that uh, that premise of, you know, when you're not clipped in, you're you're far more focused on what's going on and what you're doing. Oh, I, I definitely agree Compared with that. to clipping in and being like, I'm invincible. Mm-hmm. And then also tripping over the clip on, the, the you know what's clipping you on and right, the line right, yeah. and everything else. And that becomes but disclaimer, on any other boats, I always recommend people mm-hmm. wear their safety harnesses and life jackets. There you go. There Absolutely. You go. I just like to throw that out there. A little PSA. <laughs> well, so those were, those were some of the tense moments, the food and all that sort of stuff. Um, were there any big joyful moments that you can think of where, you know, obviously I'm out there sailing and you're, you're here, but you're feeling pretty excited and pretty proud and all that sort of stuff? Well, I think the most joyful moment, obviously, was hugging you on the dock when you came in. Um, but, you know, I think that when you would make comments about how beautiful it was out there, how gorgeous the night was, how fantastic it was, and how much you loved being out there. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I can understand that. And, you know, in this last little go-around, uh, circumnavigating the North Atlantic, when you sent that video, when you were um, sailing past the Azores and actually oh, were able I to pick up the up, signal. yeah. Uh, and you pointed out the island. Uh, I believe that was. I can't remember which one I sailed past. Yeah, um, and the the wonderful thing was in that video you could see how gorgeous a day it was. The obviously the ocean was calm. Oh, you know, like a pancake. Yeah. That's in the Azores High. Yeah, and and I just thought, wow, I would love to be out there. Because yeah. it just looked wonderful, you know. Um, the it's very difficult in the middle of the night, especially if the weather would be bad here, if the winds would be high here. You sort of transfer that on to what's going on with you, and so um, that would become worrisome. The middle of the night is the worst because I have had a lot of time to think. Right. And imagine things. During the day, I can distract myself with something else. I went through a lot of books in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, do you remember what I used to keep telling you, especially when I was on the other side of the planet? Because you'd say, you know, I worry about you yeah. most at night. Yeah. And I would say what? Remember, I'm in the daytime. Yes, you're at exactly. night. Exactly. <laughs> you do remember. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that is one of those things, you know, I, I used to think that too, you know, it'd be the middle of the night where I was and I would, I would almost feel the same, you know, wondering what was going on, you know, back here or, or with friends or something. And I'd think, okay, well, they're on the reverse. And, mm-hmm. and plus, you know, I was down there in the summer and up here was winter and all right. that. So, right. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, people forget how many time zones you went through. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I, I that one's kind of weird because, you know, when you, because you have to, on your way back up north, uh, from the South Atlantic to the North mm-hmm. Atlantic, you have to go around Brazil. So you actually end up going east a fair way and you cross over one or two time mm-hmm. zones and then you cross back again. So I, I think I ended up crossing 28 or 29 time mm-hmm. zones or something like that Yeah, on that whole trip. So 
That was that was definitely uh, that affects your brain mm-hmm. after a while. Because oh. the only tell that I had, um, besides seeing a variation in a lot of the calculations for like celestial navigation, mm-hmm. which I wasn't doing all the time, but mm-hmm. sometimes, would just be that you know the sun would come up at four a.m. and I knew okay, well it's time to jump ahead. I've crossed over right. another because it's not there's not an exact line by any mm-hmm. means, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So. So as, you know, once I got back from there, were you sort of under the impression and that I was under as well of like, that was it. Like, that's it. I'm the adventure bug is, I got it out. It's time to go buy a chicken farm somewhere and uh, live out my my old age. I sincerely (laughs) doubt that's ever going to be, you know, your future. Uh, No, because you've been adventuresome since you were a child. You never were a sit and play video games of course, you guys didn't have a computer. Well, in college, that, we did for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes, but you know, instead of studying, that's why but, it only lasted a year. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, you never—you were always somebody who wanted to be outside doing stuff, and exploring stuff, and taking things apart and putting things back together. You used to make those little, um, little mechanical things with batteries and stuff like that. I don't know if you remember that little cars and. Oh, stuff. take them apart yeah, and put them back yeah, together. And those. yeah, so you were always sort of interested in that. You never were um, a classroom guy. The classroom was too, I think, contained for you. Um, you never stuck your neck out too far, but you never hesitated to take on a good challenge. Well, and I, I still don't, I, I don't think, unless I'm feeling very confident or, or comfortable with whatever I'm undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the trip around the world is not a great example of that because <laughs> you're definitely sticking your neck out. Pretty far. But again, you know, I didn't, besides some of those old books that I was always reading and that sort of pushed me into it, um, you know, I didn't really have any idea what I was getting into venturing into the Southern Ocean. But I watched you go through all of the research for the Appalachian Trail because you went through years of researching that really yeah, in depth. Yeah. And so I read I, a bunch of books and I had all the maps and mm-hmm. I, cause I was up here for, so I was in the British Virgin Islands and then I came up here at the end of January and then I was taking off first of March. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have one month of acclimatizing to the cold mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. typically if you start in March, you're going to be walking through the snow for a good portion of, you know, Georgia and North Carolina and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you got to see me in the basement mm-hmm. with those maps every single night, just trying to peel through them and get a good feel and, right. and repacking and unpacking mm-hmm. and repacking and unpacking. Well, and you did that same level of research for your around the, you know, your circumnavigation. And the only thing that you underestimated was the amount of food and water. <laughs> yeah, and just, if, <laughs> just the food and water. Just the food and water. You know. You know. The boat did really well, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, um, that boat was, I still, when I think about the condition of that boat, when we put the mast on it and finally parked it at the dock, I mean, it was, it was maybe two thirds of the way complete. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so much work went into that. And, and a lot of that was sort of guesswork and, you know, figuring out the engine and issues here or there and everywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, I spent, uh, I guess a year almost mm-hmm. on that boat, mm-hmm. nine months, just trying to 
trying to get everything ready. So Yeah. Well, this circumnavigation of the North Atlantic was a lot less stressful for me because I knew you could handle pretty much what was out there. Um, and boy, well, you, it was it was less stressful for you, but it was far more stressful for me because, <laughs> you know, trying to gear up to go through the Northwest Passage, although I had researched that pretty thoroughly, the Canadian government really didn't uh, didn't woo me into thinking that I could go mm-hmm. uh, until about a month or so before my departure. Right. So it was like a shotgun mm-hmm. adventure of just go. Luckily, I, I had pre-prepared for quite mm-hmm. a bit, but... I mean, I would have loved to have had six months to yeah. prepare things. Well, and know, then they took portion. it back. Yeah, then they, they, they reassessed all the, all the voyages. So. I still have to marvel at the window, the weather window, that you were able to sail through oh, in the heaviest the hurricane season, which just ended today, the heaviest hurricane season in history. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was probably got a little the luckiest I've ever been. <laughs> come, I got a little concerned coming across, watching you come across the equator and start to head north and watching some of those storms roll off, and then all of a sudden they'd roll off and they'd just go north. Well, I, you know, I, I was trying to position myself in a place where I would be just south of the typical hurricane path. Mm-hmm. Um, now that varies quite a bit, you know, normally they, they sort of begin, you know, as these giant thunderstorms right off the Cape Verde Mm -hmm. islands off of the coast of Africa and then sweep their way across the Atlantic. Now I had gone South of that line and sort of, I got close to the equator. I don't think I crossed it. Um, no, I definitely didn't. I think you were like four degrees. Yeah. I got, I got really close down there. And then I think my mind was just letting go to a point where I knew that I needed to stop heading away and start heading home. Mm Um, you know, it was just something that my, my brain was not in it at that point. And, and it was becoming such a questionable situation that I figured, you know, I'm safe-ish if I just go ahead and stay south. And then by the time, you know, the end of September, which is typically the peak month, Mm -hmm. comes, then that's when I'll do my cut across, Mm -hmm. you know, towards the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and then up towards the East Coast, which, again, still, I would never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. That was was crazy. The fact that I didn't see much weather at all. I mean, I, I went through... I think three different tropical waves, mm-hmm. um, sort of convection areas, which were amazing to behold, uh, and a real pain because it's just squalls and mm-hmm. changing winds and all sorts of stuff. But you know, had had I been further along, those those are what turn into depressions and tropical storms, mm-hmm. and then hurricanes. So. Oh, I, I learned a lot about Noah. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, and, and, that, and that's one of the things. Um, you know, in the first voyage, your your big involvement really was relaying information about what I was doing out to the rest of the world, so to Mm -hmm. speak. And on this last trip, uh, it came into play a whole lot more. Your involvement was tenfold. Mm -hmm. And that was all due to, you know, malfunctions of equipment. So I, you know, I think it was only four or five days out from Rockland, Maine, when I went through a very severe electrical storm Mm -hmm. and it knocked out my VHF, my AIS, my Garmin inReach, and I think it must have affected the sat phone. Mm -hmm. I had replacements for all those except for the sat phone. Right. 
And so I replaced all the other stuff, but this headphone was slowly basically dying on mm -hmm. me. And then as, as I went south of the Azores and was headed, I think I had passed the Cape Verdes, but I don't know. Do you remember when it was that the sat phone went out? Went out? Um, it, it was just getting sketchy. You don't call us a lot on the sat phone, um, but it started getting sketchy, yes, past the Cape Verdes. You never call me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for that out yeah. there. No, I, when I'm on land, do I call you a lot? No. What? Yes, you call me all the do time. Do I call you more than my two brothers? Oh, yeah, actually. Is eight, <laughs> Take I have, that, Adam. Take that, Sven. <laughs> I have more communication with you even out in the middle of the ocean because I have daily communication with you, you know, when you're out, out sailing around. But even, you know, over things that have happened in our family's lifetime, like your dad's heart surgery and things like that, you were in Australia at the time, and you were the only one I could, I could get in contact with. You, I could get in contact with you faster than the other two. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. that well. Well, but so once my sat phone went out, mm -hmm. um, basically you became my weather girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that involvement was, I, I can't even, there's no way I'll be able to describe just how how important that is. Because when you go from being able to download a weather weather map mm -hmm. and um and then you you see it all and then all of a sudden you don't see it and it's gone then you know as a sailor i just feel completely lost yeah yeah you would you you'd, you would have absolutely no idea what was coming down the track yeah oh yeah and so you came to the rescue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep <laughs> no I'm big deal mother I'm well, so can you, I, I guess what I'm trying to beg the question for is, is uh, what, what did you have to do to be able to all of a sudden supply me with, you know, pretty much a detailed forecast of what I was doing during the hurricane season and where I was on the ocean? What, what sort of stuff were you using? I was basically using the uh, NOAA website. Oh, okay. And they're, uh, there's, they have a little hurricane website and you can go in and they, uh, you can, choose from a number of different locations and you can just, you know, tap on the screen for the Atlantic and it'll bring up the Atlantic. It'll bring up the Atlantic in a 3d video that shows the movement, um, you know, a video like, like where you can see the movement of the clouds and the swirling action and the weather and stuff like that. Right. Like the satellite map. image, satellite image. Thank you. And, um, then you go into, uh, the discussion, they, they show you a map, and it's color-coded as to the strength of the different storms and the potential for further development. Then you can go in and read the discussion, which are quite detailed, about what they think is coming. They give you uh, percentages of development potential. They um, Within certain days, blocks of days, so from zero to five days, this uh, tropical depression has a less than 40% chance of developing into a tropical storm or the other way around or whatever. And then you can go into Outlook. And they will tell you what they think is really coming down the track. And then they have special topics where they can tell you what they're really concerned about. Oh, okay. And um, it's not rocket surgery. I mean, you know, you can... Rocket surgery? Yeah, you can... Uh, rocket science? <laughs> no, I meant rocket surgery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's... Uh, you can catch on pretty quickly, especially if you have any interest in weather. I like the weather. I mean, yeah, I oh, me too. I've, yeah. I've always loved... Yeah. 
you know, studying it and stuff and living by it out there. It became very interesting, the tracking, the pattern of the tracking of the storms, because it abruptly changed from coming across Cape Verde to come across, uh, you know, heading basically toward Florida and the Gulf or through the Caribbean to all of a sudden it was quiet. It was quiet for a couple of weeks. Anything that was forming was past the Bay of Campeche or around Nicaragua, Honduras, or the last few were they'd come off Cape Verde and then they'd head up past Bermuda up to the Azores. Yeah, some of them take that turn mm-hmm. really early, and some of them just fizzle out as well. Not you know, uh, not things... too many fizzled out. Uh, there were a few that didn't have huge development. Yeah, but. I didn't, there were only a couple at the very end there, because I stopped, obviously stopped looking at it once you were safe. Yeah. But um, at around then, there were just a couple that just never developed further than uh, maybe a tropical storm. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, those, those little convection zones, those little tropical mm-hmm. waves that I did get into, uh, were you ever, cause I know you would, you would inform me why, you know, I was in what I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at that map, did you ever just sort of think, oh my gosh, he's like right there. <laughs> well, yeah, because the, you, I'd have your Garmin it's coordinates and the little map right, that they right. show has, um, kind of rough coordinates on it. So, you know, I could see, and that way I could say to you, you're, you're way South. What's yeah. happening is way South of you. Um, but also within the NOAA discussions and outlook, they do have coordinates there too. Right, right. Well, and and the I I knew that you were enjoying it, or at least becoming mm-hmm. more interested in it. Uh, just as each day went on, the forecast was becoming a little more detailed, and mm-hmm. and longer. So I, you know, it'd be like three three text messages long, mm-hmm. and then the next one would be like five, mm-hmm. and then it'd be six. Well, and then you hit this stride mm-hmm. where you know every day, you know, it was almost yeah. as if the tables had turned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where's, where's my update? Where's my update? I got to know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, and I be, as time went on, I began to understand what I was relaying to you and the importance of what I was relaying to. Yeah. I was getting a greater understanding of that. And so, uh, you know, um, and I realized that which details were important. And the, sometimes the more detail you were able to receive, uh, that's, it was even more important. Well, I, I definitely think you could probably earn a nice little bit of, uh, it could be like your side job <laughs> as a uh, marine forecaster. People just, you have to email them every day, keep them in the know. Um, and you can just say, you know, you helped uh, me get back across the Atlantic during the peak of the hurricane season. <laughs> of the worst hurricane season <laughs> uh, in history. I don't know if it was the worst. I mean, absolutely. Uh, maybe. When, when you're going It halfway, wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you're halfway through the... Greek alphabet, you know. Yeah, no, that was pretty that was, crazy. That was a lot. But yeah, so that and that involvement, I mean, it just it's it was cool. It just for me it felt like it was just a big safety blanket, obviously, mm-hmm. but um I don't know, it was neat just to be sort of teamed up with you at that point to mm-hmm. yeah. to sort of get home because at that point it was that it, it's reminiscent of being in the Southern Ocean where you're just like, I just want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to make it through. And it was the same thing where I just had to cross the Atlantic and get off of the ocean. Because mm-hmm. uh, I finished, I think, October 12th or something like that, which is still well in the hurricane mm-hmm. season. I was still waiting for something to just come up. and December 1st, is this, it's finally over. Well, officially, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But yeah. 
I think well. there's still, well, there might be a couple little swirls out there. But now it's all just gales up mm-hmm. in the North Atlantic. But, but it was uh, interesting how you feel a greater sense of urgency as you were approaching the Gulf Stream. And we were watching which way the wind was going to be blowing. So not only was I checking NOAA, but I was checking Windy as well. Uh, you know, against your coordinates so that I knew that, you know, and I would say to you, you know, as here's where the Gulf Stream is at this point, it's going this many knots, which I didn't realize I could find that out, but you can find out tons of information. So I can see. you start scrolling and clicking through that site, there's just, you know, and just as you hit that Gulf Stream, that wind's going to switch around and it's going to stay around. And I mean, it really worked for you, though. You know, I always say you, live life under this little bubble of rainbows and um that's not yeah. true at all <laughs> no what well you, you certainly don't live under dark cloud I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well um, it was it was it was it was pretty amazing to get across there and stuff and uh i can't thank you enough for for all the help on that one for sure well you're my son and i enjoy being involved in all of the things that you boys do all right well <laughs> My next trip, I'm ready to unveil it. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, that's that's one of the things, um, again, that a lot of people I hear every time I speak and all that sort of stuff is people saying, you know, your mother must be so strong to be able to just do that. And, you know, not have an aneurysm, not have a stroke, any of that sort of stuff. What would you say to somebody who says that to you? When you set out on your adventures, you're doing something that you love. And I would never stand in the way of any of the three of you boys for um, to, you know, while you're, you know, trying to achieve your dreams. Um, I can help you along all you want. And if something happens to you, you are going to go out of here doing exactly what you wanted to be doing. Um, I would much rather, well, that, this, I was, no, I'm, I have to rephrase that. Well, here, let's, let's attack it from this angle. Let's say, you know, somebody comes up to you and, and says, you know, my, my son is, is leaving uh, and he's going to bicycle from Alaska down to f- the Florida Keys. Mm-hmm. I'm freaking out. Can you give me any advice? Make him take a Garmin Enrich Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and contact you every single morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. think we found a new spokeswoman for uh, Garmin, Garmin Enrich. <laughs> hey, well. well, it really is quite a tremendous product. That's for sure. I mean, I emailed the CEO in Australia and, you know, I told him, you, you have no idea how reassuring that little device yeah, you know, true. The way that that little device operates was really quite phenomenal. I, I think it would have been much more difficult for me to handle it. But you know what? Honestly, if if something happened to you while you're at sea, and God forbid we lost you, that would not be half as difficult as if you were working a job you hated and had a massive stroke because of the stress of doing yeah. something that you didn't want to be doing. I agree wholeheartedly with that that statement right there. Yeah. And I, I I think that I think at the root of that really is is why you can put up with me doing some of these things is that, you know, when you know somebody loves to do something, you you sort of 
you got to sort of support it. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't fight it as as safe as I might be. You know, if I took a job, you know, somewhere and and lived on land all the time and just worked five days a week and mm-hmm. went to the beach on the weekends. You know, that that for me wouldn't be fulfilling at all. No, but no, well, it sure would be a lot safer. Yes. Uh, well, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. Driving, driving's the damn most dangerous thing people do. Sharks. <laughs> Without even a thought about it. Going to the beach yeah. with sharks. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, but if you're if you're gonna set sail around the world, well, let me at least buy you the lifeboat. Oh, there we go. Yeah, the life raft. Mm-hmm. I still have that one. It, I would uh, hope so. <laughs> Well, but they life rafts actually only have uh, pretty much all safety flares, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff have an expiration date, mm-hmm. and mine's a bit overdue. And and actually, when I called the people uh, to get it redone mm-hmm. and you know certified again, they they said it wasn't even worth it. They that I should just buy a new one. Those are not cheap. No, I know. I was like, are not cheap at all. Scam is this? (laughs) I gotta. You just want me to buy a new one? Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, so it's a marketing tool. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But what I what I did think was that if I can't, then maybe I can at least donate it to, um, you know, they do sea survival stuff. I was just gonna say training. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and you know they'll go blow it up in a pool and have a bunch Mm -hmm. of people go mm-hmm. and do it and hey you know if it if it was one of those things where it exploded and it didn't mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. then it'd probably be even a better lesson for yeah. those trainees to see than anything they're quite a few thousand dollars so yeah i typically and that one was a six man life mm-hmm. raft which i i got after i read um this Stephen many. callahan's book yeah oh no they're they're not mm-hmm. cheap that mm-hmm. one you know most of them range between about three and maybe like seven thousand yeah. dollars something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. depending on how how high end you want to go right. if i were to get another one i'd probably drop down to like a three man or a four man you um, can't ever put a price on your safety yeah it's just you know for me it's it's lugging the thing around and all that sort of stuff i mean like i said i i've i've done multiple trips on it with it being expired mm-hmm. and everything but and well actually this last trip i did ten thousand miles and that thing was a year and a half out of date well there you go <laughs> filling in the don't details know I, don't know if i told you that <laughs> no, one before no. did i Whoops. no no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> but you know it was one of those things again it, i was in such a hurry to leave on this last trip mm-hmm. that there's just no way i could those are uh, and those those times are v- really tough for me it's like all of a sudden i gotta go by and it's like well, damn. Well, and especially now during sort of this pandemic, you know, I, I, I remember you guys talking about possibly coming out to Rockland mm-hmm. to, you know, sort of see me off. And no, we couldn't. We couldn't. Yeah, there's 14-day quarantine, all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. So um, it was sort of it tough, tough luck. Old COVID's affected well, many people Well, and even, you know, coming back. You know, obviously the trip didn't get – I didn't get to go the route that I wanted to and all that sort of stuff, but, you know – Still, it would have been nice to see people when I got back, but again, that's mm-hmm. it's still just sort of going on. It's amazing how how it can still affect so many things, you know, mm-hmm. just just by people sort of being restricted or, or not feeling all that safe to travel. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought I left all that behind. Yeah. I thought for sure by the time I got back, it'd be okay. But yeah, I don't know. Are are there any any other things that you would want to? Uh, you know, tell the listeners about, about your experience of being, you know, the mom of somebody who goes out and and does these sort of dangerous, adventurous things. Nope, I'm just sort of forever waiting for the next adventure to drop. Yeah, just you're waiting for me to say, all right, guys, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> well, and I, you know, to be true, I, I definitely am sort of trying to cook up some some ideas and stuff like that because I do. There's something so nice about having this set defined goal, and I know you can have that in other realms of life, like business, family, relationships, all that sort of stuff. But for me, there's just something about having it involved being out in nature, a challenge both physical and mental, and something that you know is is sort of rarely done mm-hmm. um and and that's where things like long distance hiking so you know the the pacific crest trail mm-hmm. would be great to do the continental divide trail would mm-hmm. be cool i still for some reason have this like forrest gump image in my head of me trying to run from you know san francisco to boston <laughs> i don't know why but for some reason that sounds really fun Put a few more birthdays under your belt, and it won't sound so much fun <laughs> after that, kid. You're not getting any younger. <laughs> I know. I know. No, that, that is true. Um, you know, because I, I, I figure as long as I hold on to, to Sparrow, you know, chances are I'll be able to get my – every year I'll be sailing from at least Maine down to South Carolina mm-hmm. or possibly go down to the, the Caribbean mm-hmm. every once in a while. So I'll always get my sails in, mm-hmm. you know. I – I don't think, I think you can put your, your fears at ease about me trying to go through the Northwest Passage. Um, I think I was so put off by that experience of being stopped, you know, halfway through the, the Labrador Sea mm-hmm. that um, I don't think, I don't think I want to do it. And I, I don't want to go around the world again, mm-hmm. like I already have. Yeah, um, I, think, I think one of those laps is enough. Yeah, I, if I could go bigger, if there was another route I could do, then I probably would be planning to do that. But um, at this point right now, I, I think my giant long-distance stuff is, is just pretty much in the past. So. I think a nice Caribbean charter would be really great. <laughs> DVI right. for two weeks. So that, so that I know that... That had to got a passage, 13.5 miles. When, when we're all... When night is falling upon us, we're tethered to a safe mooring with cocktails in hand waiting to go into the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. I want those days back. (laughs) Well, we'll get there soon enough. I I think I have no doubt that that we will. um, I hope so. I think the um, BVI opened up today. Yes, they did, December 1st. Yeah, Yeah. hopefully they will be able to stay open Mm -hmm. and... People will be getting down there for Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to be the easiest transition, and it won't it won't be like uh, a light switch. But mm-hmm. hopefully, though, I, I I don't know. From what I understand, though, I think if you do go down there to charter, I think you you're able to like quarantine on your charter boat. Well, certainly you should be able to. I would think so. Mm-hmm. I, if if that uh, that would be a very smart move. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll bring you your groceries. You just stay on the boat for three mm-hmm. four days. Mm-hmm. You can still snorkel. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of stuff. But yeah, I look forward to getting back down there. That would be, that would be very, very cool. I miss being down there and seeing some of the people that we know and, you know. And the bitter end, it's slowly Mm -hmm. coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen any of those pictures? Uh, Yes, I have seen some of them. Uh, They've got buildings now. Yeah. Yes, I know. I've seen some just through Sun Sun Chaser Scuba. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, And they're still operating, Mm -hmm. so. But also our friends at Visar. So, you know. Yep, yep. I donate to them annually. And Horizon Yacht mm-hmm. Charters. Mm-hmm. Yep, Horizon Yacht Charters, yeah. Shout out Giles. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we can probably wrap this up. I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. 
Sure. Believe it or not, we've been talking for about 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just nice. Like I said, I, I really, I always have people mention and talk about you and your involvement in the trip and sort of how you put up with, with me and doing this stuff. And, and I wanted, I wanted people to get a glimpse, you know, cause I can give as many explanations as I want, you know, thinking of, of why and how you can do this. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's nice to hear it right from the person. Well, uh, you're a grown man and you're responsible and you've proven to be responsible. But even though I'm a grown man, well, you, you say to me like every day, you're still my baby. Well, yeah, you are still my baby. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, is knowing that if you are determined to set out on an adventure, that isn't my choice. That's your choice. And so I can either be a colossal pain in the neck or I can support you every which way that I can and do everything in my power to hope you have a safe journey and return home. Well, there you go. Can't ask for better support or a better mom in the whole world. I want to thank you so, so much for coming on here. And uh, like I promised before, I'll let you listen to it before I send it out to the world. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Right from my mom, how she does it and what she went through. Uh, Again, I want to just thank her and say I love you, Ma. Appreciate you being on the podcast. For anybody that's looking uh, to get a little more information about my big trip around the world, don't forget my book is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook form. All right, till the next time. Bye.